What's up, everybody? How you doing? How you living? This is Austin Cunningham. I am joined, as always, with Justin Trees and Riley O'Brien. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get rolling into this episode. A lot of news going on in the NFL because it just seems like nothing ever just relaxes in the NFL. Just when you think it's the offseason, free agencies, you know, finally come to an end. Camps are getting, OTAs are getting started. Everything's not done. We're still making trades. People are still getting fired. Uh, let's go ahead and jump right into it, though. Jets firing their GM. Initial reaction on mine. I'll just get right into it again here. You let this guy go through free agency, spend a ton of money on a linebacker and a running back, go into the draft with the third pick. You let him make it, which was an exceptional pick. And that's two years in a row you've had a guy just kind of sort of fall to you at pick three in the draft. And now... You decide, let's fire him because another report comes out that Adam Gase didn't like Le'Veon Bell. He didn't want to spend the money on a running back. If that's true, then why are you firing your GM over that? Like, that's something the head coach needs to get over because Le'Veon Bell is an exceptional type player. And, Trace, I want to hear your opinions and thoughts on this as well, man. I'm kind of with you on this. Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And,. If the head coach doesn't like it, I mean, your job is like you don't like every single player that's on your roster. Like you got to just deal with the cards that you're dealt. And obviously, yes, Le'Veon Bell is a big cat pit, and there might be other players that he thinks that he can manage an offense with a lesser talented running back, and he would rather spend elsewhere on his team. But I mean, it is what it is. Like just deal with it, bro. I just don't I don't understand the move at this point. But didn't didn't the Chiefs do something kind of similar with Dorsey on this? Didn't they fire him after the draft as well? They they did it in I believe in the middle of the summer. It was kind of a awkward thing because you see one report come out, the Chiefs have signed Andy Reid to another extension. Like, oh heck yeah, you know, we're doing good. Literally two minutes after that. Chiefs have fired general manager Don, John Dorsey. And I remember reading this like, wait, what? Why are they doing this? And then more reports start to come out. They just didn't like how he handled the contracts for players, you know, with Justin Houston and Eric Berry. He wanted to move on from Eric Berry, which I think in the long run it was a good idea just because of what we saw the last couple of years of him literally not being able to be on the field since he signed that contract. Clark Hunt then had to step in and say, hey, we sign, We need to sign this guy. He means too much to the organization, to the community, and to the team. Make sure, like, make sure it gets done. John Dorsey then, in a sense, overspent on the deal, and it kind of just ticked some people off. And there were other contracts that were a mess. That was the Chiefs' reasoning. But I want to get back to the Jets here, and especially Adam Gase. Isn't this what he did in Miami? Just overwent his general manager to the owner? I mean, this guy comes into New York – as a guy that from a team that failed in Miami, he comes to New York, gets everything that he essentially wants or to help get this team rebuilt with a good young quarterback and Sam Darnold. And then you get the general manager fired. And then the new guy, you're pretty much going to overlook and you're in as the interim general manager. Yeah, that's exactly what happened and exactly what he did at the dolphins. I mean, it's just so, like, he is so power-hungry. It's crazy to me. Like, it, it really is. Like, you don't see this from other 
head coaches and maybe they do it and like it's just under the radar but it's crazy to me that they would make this move at this time like you said two drafts like why are you letting this guy draft your players and spend all this free agent money if you're going to just fire him right after like just you should have done it you should have done it back in january or right when you hired gase exactly and yeah mike mccannon or mike mccannon was not the best general manager. You know, he did have some flaws, but he was in the process of kind of fixing all that. I mean, he got a key piece on the offense. He got a wide receiver in free agency. He got a heck of a linebacker in free agency. You bolster your defensive line with Leonard Williams, with Quinnen Williams, and then you just go, hey, do you know what? You're fired. Thanks for everything, but you got to go. And I know we just said this, but you should have known when you saw the press conference with Adam Gase and he had the crazy eyes going on, I mean, that should have been your number one sign right there. Like, you see those, I was like, hey, you know what? Like, we changed our minds. Like, we'll find someone else because you're not the guy. And, like, those eyes are creeping me out. Yeah. It, it's honestly a little surprising, though, that anybody's taking Adam Gase's side considering he's been there for three months. And it's not like he's this head coach with all this amazing su- success. I mean... He's a he's a little bit above average. That's what I think. That, that I mean, all yeah. he did was piss everyone off in Miami, and then they pretty much ran him out of town. Yeah, and the only the only time he was good in Denver is because he had Peyton Manning. And then in Chicago, you know, he had a successful year with Jay Cutler. Yeah, and that's that was why they really brought impressive. Jay. Cutler. That was an impressive year by him, which is well, why he got maybe the Dolphins job. Well, that or maybe just because Jay Cutler. Just decided to care that year that's fair god his wife is so hot <laughs> <laughs> so yes she is so gase comes in this change is made and then how quick i mean he turns around and makes this trade with the chiefs for uh sending darren lee to kansas city in a, in return for six round pick yeah, yeah. And the rumor is is they were trying to get a fifth round pick for the last like two or three weeks the jets were and then they fired him, and then the Chiefs called right back as soon as they heard the news. We're like, hey, Gase, how about a six-rounder? He's like, fuck it. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't pay attention to the defense. Forget about it. Our offense is going to score a million points a year. Crazy eyes. He's yep. like, I thought they meant six first-rounders. No, oh, okay, six-rounder. So, Austin, as a Chiefs fan, how are you feeling about that trade? I, Therese, you mentioned with the Telvin Smith news when that came out, you actually saw Darren Lee as a potential replacement. So you like him? I like him. I was a huge fan of him coming out of Ohio State. I, I was. I think he ended up going like tenth, twelfth overall, something like that in the draft. And I, I think I on my big board, I had him ranked higher as well. I was really high on him. Yeah, I like the the trade by the Chiefs. You know, you only give up a six rounder. You're really not doing much with that pick anyways next year. You're probably going to trade someone else and get it right back. I'm I'm assuming that's going to be a Reggie Ragland because I don't know where he fits on this defense anymore especially with the you know, prominent play of Dorian O'Daniel last season, and then he got hurt heading into the playoffs. But I think between him and now Lee, that's some good competition for your defense, and Kansas City's going the right direction, man. They just need to get everything figured out with Tyreek Hill. If you've kind of noticed, it's gotten real quiet about that, and I know this is a touchy subject, but I kind of do want to get into this right now and that it's just come up on my head. No one's really talking about it. But do you know who they are talking about? Kareem Hunt. 
everyone's praising Kareem Hunt right now, how he's gone around and talked to students and, you know, schools and said, hey, don't do the same thing I did. Coaches are saying, hey, Kareem Hunt's doing the right things on the field. You know, he's doing good, but he's also doing the right things off the field. Freddie Kitchen said that today in a uh, post-practice interview. He said no one's talking about what he's doing off the field, which is counseling, you know, talking to the right people, doing the right things. And then he said in an interview, Kareem Hunt said in an interview that he's getting baptized that kind of blew up in the media a little bit. So as bad as it sounds, these guys are doing the right thing to get good public, you know, knowledge to them since they transferred teams. In Kansas City, he had to go. Video come out, you got to go. But with Tyreek Hill, that's why the Chiefs are not doing anything because they're seeing this with Kareem Hunt. And, yes, the situation with Tyreek Hill is worse. That's due with a child. But if you just let everything play out, let everyone get their reactions and thoughts and opinions out of the way and let it coast over, I mean, he's going to be suspended six to eight games, and then you just go from there and pray to God that nothing else happens, and he just, just continues to do the right things off the field. That's always one of those tricky things. I mean, like, it's it's easy when it's a player on your team, you know, when he gives food to homeless people or does something in the community. It's like, it's easy to give praise to them, but it's also hard because it's like, well, that's those are things that they should be doing. So... I don't know, Therese, what are your thoughts on everything Austin just said with what Kareem Hunt's doing? Honestly, all that is news to me. I, I guess I haven't been paying attention to the Browns <laughs> press conferences. <laughs> um, but good for him. I mean, that's what you want to see. In the end, like you're wanting to see progress as a human being. So, great. Good for him. He's got to do that for years before... I forget about it. And with Tyreek Hill, I think you're right. I think that I think that because it's the off season, it's easier for it to be quiet. As bad as that sounds, like it sounds bad because it shouldn't matter what type of year it is, but people aren't going to talk about it as much because it's not football season. Exactly. And I mean, it'll come back around once the NFL makes their decision or the investigation continues on since the DA opened the case. So right now it is just kind of a quiet time of waiting what's going to happen. But another uh, thing that happened today in the NFL, Jamie Collins re-signed with the New England Patriots after being released by the Cleveland Browns. Of course this happens. Of course the Patriots are like, you know what, we're not paying for this guy. Let's get rid of him. Lose Trey Flowers. Here comes Jamie Collins. They do play, you know, not the exact same position, but they both can affect the defense, right? And Jamie Collins on that defense does help the Patriots in more ways than one. And if, it's just kind of frustrating in a sense that players like this seem to just return there or situations like this continue to happen for them because no one else is picking them up. Exactly. The, the dude's going to have eight eight sacks and like 60 tackles this year and going to be a game changer for him. Like, it, it's so frustrating watching other teams just ignore this type of guy. And, I, and Doug's, when Doug jumps on and starts talking about this, he's going to say, yeah, because he's super lazy and he did nothing for the team and absolutely gave up on the Browns. But it's the Browns' mentality there, not the Patriots. The Patriots don't let that happen, right? Like, they just exactly. don't. Like, the the head coach of, and I know it was Greg Williams, but and maybe that's the reason why he's gone from Cleveland, but he wasn't holding people accountable. And he's a defensive guy, so he sh- even more so should be holding his guys accountable. A good example of that, Kyle Van Noy. Dude was a monster at BYU. I was really excited when the Lions got him because, you know, I'd seen him play, and then he goes 
he's with Ziggy Ansa again. I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be a dynamic situation. Dude did almost nothing in Detroit. Goes to New England, and they look like geniuses. Happens. You got to love it, right? And it's just the way New England works, and it's probably how they'll work as long as Bill Belichick is there and his disciples. But uh, let's go ahead and transfer our conversation from what's going on in the NFL into what a lot of us love to do while the season is here, and that's NFL fantasy football. This is not something we've really touched up on a lot or gone into deep discussion on, so it is going to be a little new to us, but Drees is very excited to talk about this. He's already smiling about it. He's got this little smirk like, hey, I really know what I'm talking about here. So, Drees, why don't you go ahead and lead us into it, man? What do you got? All right. So, fantasy football is, like, possibly my favorite thing to do in life. It is so much fun. Uh, I have a league that we're on year 13, um, 12-man league, and I nine of us are, have been there for all 13 years. Pretty intense. We we do a lot of fun things. So for me, I when I think of fantasy football, like it's to bring your friends together, and it's going to be those friends that you might not talk to when it's not football season. But during football season, like you talk every single day. It just brings your friends closer to each other. And having like things that you have to do in during the season, I think makes it more fun. So for example, our league, we do what we call a PR. So power rankings. And so at the end of each week, whatever team scored the least amount of points, you have to do full on power rankings from top to bottom. And you have to like give like paragraphs of why teams are good or why they're bad. And you just talk shit on your friends. It's super fun. We had one guy, make a song out of it to, from a Backstreet Boys song and it it's gold. I think I still have it. If I do, I'll I'll post it on our uh our Twitter Twitter handle. It it is it's amazing. Please do. Yeah. So I love that. I love ideas of like tattoo leagues. Like I just think it's fun. It keeps things interesting. Um and obviously betting money is always always keeps things interesting. You don't have guys giving up at that point. So, um, Austin, I know you're a big fantasy guy as well. Um, what type of leagues do you do? So, for example, we run a we run a a we don't do a normal snake draft. Yeah, I was going to ask this, Trees. You actually, if I'm not mistaken, don't you? You've had the whole league get together and draft in person. Yeah, we do it at our house. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. Uh, so I've. <clears throat> oh, excuse me there. My voice cracked a little bit. I guess I'm hitting puberty again. Uh, my bad. <clears throat> Austin Cunningham here. But uh, I haven't been in too many leagues. I, or uh, Let me restart here. I haven't done fantasy football for that long. I started at my freshman year of college. In high school, we really didn't do it. You know, there weren't too many of us that were, you know, full-blown into it. Didn't know much about it. So when I was a freshman in college, some buddies asked me, hey, do you want to do this? I was like, sure. Addicted right away. Now I do fantasy football, basketball, and baseball. To any of those, to any of you who do baseball, fantasy baseball, you are a crazy son of a gun because yep. it it's every day you have to change your lineup. Whether it's your batters, your pitchers, if a game gets rained out, you got to get someone else in. Who's on a hitting streak? Who's going to hit against this pitcher? And let me tell you, that's a lot of shit I don't really care about. So that's the nice part about the NFL. It's like, hey, I got a wide receiver who's playing. Jacksonville, their corners suck. I know he's <laughs> going to score a lot of points. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to go into that today. But uh, 
I mean, it's just little things that you're able to pay attention to. So since I've started, the last two or three years, I have accidentally been in about four leagues. Because someone will ask me, I'll be like, sure, that'll be fun. Another person, hell yeah, dude, let's do it. And then it's like my family wants to do one, and those are usually pretty fun. And then I end up in a work league. I end up in just a random one. And so then I'm just sitting there at the end of the day like, crap, I got like five drafts I got to prepare for different players and then i get them confused on which team has what players so i think i'm doing really good but in all reality i'm thinking i'm thinking of players that i have on three different teams thinking they're on the same team and so then that team sucks and the other one's good so i have a lot of fun with it but it does get confusing just the amount of different leagues i've been in but i'm surely getting better at it as we've gone on trees how are you in it yeah, so we used to do a baseball league as well. We did it for eight or nine years, and I'm with you. It's just too hard. So we ended up we ended up just dissolving that league. It was just it was just too much work. We're, all of us were just like, nope, not happening, not happening. Um, so for our league though, for football, usually we kind of have this rule that you're only in one league and it's our league. And some people like join like a football or like a, a work league or a family league, not too big of a deal. But we want like the main focus for all of us to be like on our league to make it as competitive as possible, um, which that's been working out. And we don't do a normal snake draft. We do an auction draft, which if you guys haven't done an auction draft, everybody go try one and you'll never go back to snake draft. It's unbelievable. Austin's giving me this look like, what the hell are you talking about? So let me explain it it a little bit. Um, You start out with 200 fake dollars and Rather than somebody having a pick and you just picking the player and it's on your team, you bid on a player and then you get 30 seconds to basically bid and everybody's bidding on the same player. You can spend as much money as you want on a player. Um, and then who at the at when the clock hits zero, whoever has the highest bid gets that player. So you have 200, you have 200 dollars, right? If you had a 10 person roster, you could spend 191 dollars. Because then you don't get to spend one dollar on the rest of your guys, but it's awesome because then you, it takes away the luck of like, oh, I have the second overall pick, I have the se- seventh or tenth or whatever it is. You can get whatever player you want as long as you budget for them. Like it's amazing. Like having the opportunity to really build a team that you want, you you have full control of it. Yeah, we we did that in our basketball league last year, and we had done the snake draft before. So the con, like, and I liked the snake draft at the time, but then doing the auction draft, just like Tree said, if as long as everybody has two hundred dollars, the talent dispersion is still good. You know, everybody's got talent, but like you said, you're not like, oh well, if I don't have the number one pick, then I don't get. You know what? Let me ask you guys: Who is the number one pick in fantasy football this year? Is it Saquon? So a lot of people think it's going to be Saquon. I'm going to go. I would go with Ezekiel Elliott. Really? Do you agree, Austin? I would either. I would agree with Treese or Christian McCaffrey as like a top five at least. I mean, what he did last year got like no recognition really. But man, he tore it up. Oh, totally. I I actually would have Christian McCaffrey probably two or three with Saquon. I'd have those two at at two and three, how I'd have it. Especially if it's a PPR league, if you're doing that, Oh my God, sign me up with one of those two. Absolutely. So highest value is at least based on your league trees. Is it the running back position? And that might be universal, but yeah. So we do a half a point PPR, not a full point. And I mean, every, every league's different, I guess, but 
We do a keeper league as well, so you can keep up to two players, and it seems that running backs are always kept, so it's more of a premium because, like, say the top, like, five or six running backs, usually four of them are kept, so there's only, like, one or two really good ones, so they go for really expensive, and wide receivers not as much just because wide receivers are so deep. There's just so many good wide receivers that, like, your number three wide receiver, like, it could be Cooper Cup, who was amazing last year, but he's probably like the 30th wide receiver taken so when are you looking to take quarterbacks in your guys leagues dude quarterback is so deep this year i will be waiting as long as possible like i'll i'll probably i'll probably let everybody take a quarterback and then i'll take one when are you taking yours austin well if it's in my family league all the freaking points come from the quarterback and i am going patrick mahomes with my first freaking pick in that league just because the point range for the quarterback is outrageous. I mean, he was scoring 90 points last year. I thought about league. Tell I me about, about it. That. Yeah. When I saw his, like, one thing I love that Tree said in the last week's, or on Monday's episode was, what was it, like 35 touchdowns, 4,300 yards out of Mahomes. And you pointed out, Tree, you're like, that's a really good season. It might not seem like it because of what he did last year. That Those are still mind-blowing stats. And I was just sitting there thinking, like, did, did Mahomes really throw 50 touchdowns last year? And then, Austin, you always talk about he left some on the field, too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he would – there were just some throws, you know, where he didn't really have his feet set or he got too antsy or excited, you know, and excited and maybe overthrew Travis Kelsey or Damian Williams across the middle or just, you know, short throw to Tyreek Hill or, you know, went off – an off throw towards the sideline that would have been breaking up towards, you know, gets caught and you break it up field and you're into the end zone. Just a lot of those type plays that were left on the field. What was the running back production? Like what did they get a lot of touchdowns out of the running backs Austin? Or was this a product of just Mahomes just slinging it all over the field? Obviously he did, but yeah, I mean, it was both. I mean, Patrick Man. Mahomes was throwing touchdowns to the fullback Rich, or, uh, you know, Sherman. It was just crazy. Just an amazing offense, huh? Kansas City, baby. Andy Reid, what's up? <laughs> hey, what's so, up? What's up there? So give me a mock top five right now. I don't want you guys to play your cards too much, but who are the, let's just say who are the top five fantasy? Uh, in no particular order, I would say Zeke, Barkley, McCaffrey, Kamara. And then the fifth is pretty close between, I would say, Gurley, Bell. So those are all running backs. Gurley or yeah. Bell, probably. Um, top wide receivers, I have Devontae Adams and um, Hopkins. Those are my top two wide receivers. With who? Okay. probably third. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. In my top five, I would probably maybe add in an Antonio Brown just because he's going to be such a focal point of that offense in Oakland. But at the same time, that can be dangerous because who else do they really have outside of that? Yeah, yeah. He, he's going to be a tough one for me to try to figure out like where where he's going to go and how much he's going to go for in drafts. Um, when you think of teams, Austin, like when you're looking to like draft guys, do you stay? I because I know a lot of guys do this and some guys don't. Do you one try to stay away from doubling up? from the same team and two do you try to stay away from teams that you know are going to be like bottom five in the nfl like for a pick like so top five pick in the next year's draft yeah so i don't like you know getting guys from the same team unless it's 
I, I'll do it with Kansas City. So, like, last year I had Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. Just because you know each of them are going to have that type of play in the game that gets you points. And if one of them's off, you know the other one's getting that production. So, either way, it's like you're getting that aspect in it. And so, what I tried to do at the same time was not do that. I like to project players that I think will have a good season. No one's really talking about in fantasy and go for them. So, like, last year I had a George Kittle. I think I drafted him in the later rounds, and everyone was like, why are you drafting George Kittle? And I was like, hey, just keep an eye on this kid. You know, he's he's decent, not the best tight end in the league. It's crazy how one year changes that freaking whatever you want to call it for him. But did you ju- Wait, did you just call him the best tight end in the league? I think you just I did. said, no, 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 Linda, listen, Linda, listen, hey. <laughs> No, it's crazy how that just gets transformed after one year that some people have the audacity to call him the best tight end in the league. And those people are just the type of people that I don't listen to. Because they're idiots. Yeah. You're so naive. It's so cute sometimes. Um, So for for me, I love love doubling up on the same team. So like last year I, I went with Aaron Jones and Devonte Adams uh, in my league and I absolutely loved it. I actually, at one point I had uh, Aaron Rodgers as well. Uh, that ended up being too much. So I ended up trading him, but I, I, I like, I like having that. So when you're watching those games, it's super exciting. And for having like team players on bad teams, I also like that too, because garbage time is real. It's exactly. real. Exactly. Like last year with OBJ or Eli Manning, you know at the end of the game they're just gonna try and get their stats bolstered up, and he will end. You know, Eli Manning will end up getting a twenty twenty five points, but having a shitty game and losing by fifteen. Yeah, who who's the garbage king? Do you know who that is? Eli Manning, Blake Bortles, dude. He was the he was what? the best. Dude, he would he would go into the fourth quarter with like two or three fantasy points and end up with like twenty. It it was unbelievable. Every because at that game. point he just didn't care anymore, right? So he'd just take off running or make something happen and score yeah. a late touchdown. Yeah, yeah. he would get like five, five points by rushing in the fourth quarter. Plus he would throw a touchdown and throw for like one hundred twenty yards in the fourth quarter, and just like that, that's like fifteen points. It ugh. like I'd always be like. A couple of years ago when I had him on my team and I'd have to start him if like one of my guys got hurt. And it was just I bet I'm done. I'm 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 I lost. <laughs> this sucks. My life's over. And then fourth quarter comes around, I'm like, that's my guy. That's my guy. <laughs> Bortles combat, baby. BB five. Yeah. Bortles combat. So there, Trees. Also, sorry, one second, right. No, there's good. also there's also maybe not a worse feeling than just losing in fantasy football i hate knowing that i've lost like before like the sunday night game starts where i'm just like oh yeah it doesn't even matter game like i'm not gonna do this like this this is bullshit or when you think you've won it and then someone comes in and you know like you said gets a trash fourth quarter production and then they win by like two points and it's like what in the world have you ever tied in a game uh, I have, but it's been a long time in our league. So we had a couple ties like two years ago. So last year we decided to start going decimal points. So for each yard, you got 0.1 thinking, okay, that's going to make it. So we never tie, like it's impossible for you to have literally the same exact yardage and the same exact touchdowns. 
and turnovers, right? Like impossible. Like week three, we we had a tie. It was unbelievable. <laughs> but it's been a long time since I've tied, at least. Teresa, I think a few years ago, if I remember right, it was Corbin in your league that you were telling me had uh, taken Amir Abdullah because it looked like he was going to have a huge role with the Lions, looked like he was going to be a, a, a really good piece, right? Probably, yeah. I think it was Corbin. So outside of the top five, you know, backs and receivers, who's somebody in the rookie class this year that you guys are already considering putting on your roster? Go ahead, because I'm not going to lie to you. I missed the fucking question. Oh, no worries. Uh, he asked about what rookie guys you'd want on your fantasy team. Josh Jacobs is easy answer there. He's going to be the lead back in Oakland. Um, I think I think DK Metcalf with Baldwin out. I think DK can come up big. I think that Nikhil Harry can do well because they need big bodies in that offense. And Julian Edelman can only do so much, even though they're going to be super run heavy with Michelle. But I still think somebody else has got to catch the ball. Those would be some guys for me, at least. Yeah, I like Nikhil Harry there as well. A.J. Brown in Tennessee. Yeah. You know, that's good production there. They finally have a reliable target that, you know, saying it now that, you know, someone will be able to produce. I think Dwayne Haskins, I think he's actually someone that's going to step in and play and do well. I mean, he's already impressed the coaches in rookie camp, so that's good. Miko Hardman, there's a reason Kansas City took him, whether it was because of the situation with Tiger Kill or not. It's a pretty good player with some good speed. If you get special team points, that's pretty good because he was the best, you know, Part returner, kickoff returner in college football last year. So, Nikhil Harry, I think Josh Jacobs will be good as well. Uh, David Montgomery, that's another oh, yeah. one. Yeah, that's an awesome Miles one. Sanders with the Eagles, keep an eye out there. But a question I got for you guys, who's going to be the best defense for next year in fantasy football? I'm going to take the Jags. Really? Jags you still up. would? I still would, yeah. Even with Smith sitting out? Even with Smith sitting out, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that I think they're they're going to be the best, but that's who I would take. Who you would take? Um, who else would I? Who else would I consider? That's actually a good question. I I know everybody's going to say the Bears because they were the best last year, but there I is no though. They lost a lot. They lost a lot, and there's some crazy stat in fantasy that the top defense from the previous year hasn't finished in the top five or six like that's in the last like 15 years. That's nuts. I mean, because it, it all comes down the teams that the top two defenses sometimes aren't given the last two years with the Jags and the Bears. They have been really the best defenses, but it's usually because they just get touchdowns. Like they might give up a lot of points, but they get defensive touchdowns. That's yeah. what that's what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, Vikings are always solid. Like they're always just a good defense. Like you, they never. They never really have those huge weeks, but you kind of just know what you're getting, and they're just consistent. And that's kind of what I look for in defenses. Yeah. I was thinking the uh, the Packers, you know, they added a lot to their defense. The Patriots, of course. Um, the 49ers might be a team that no one's really thinking about. They added a lot, especially on their defensive line. They got some secondary help as well. The Chargers. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs, they've completely rebolstered that entire unit. Mm-hmm. As I've said, the Bills? Every, I think every episode. The Bills, I can't believe I forgot about them. Yeah. Don't uh, don't sleep the, on the Lions. I think the defense the will be Lions. good this year. Uh, I don't know, Jim. 
I don't know about that, Jim. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Rams, just because I'm just trying to think of like shitty divisions, right? Like getting to, and I, I don't mean that rude, right? Like the, like we don't know what Seattle's going to be now. They've lost a lot of things. Like they still have Russell Wilson, but we don't know what they're going to be at this point. The Cardinals, obviously a complete wild card. Like you have no idea what they're going to be, but they they have a rookie quarterback. And then, and then you have the Niners that you're just, how does Jimmy G come back? Can he, can he recover from that? So that's probably where I'd be. Um, just kind of going over some stuff. And I think at one point when we get closer to actual fantasy season, we'll probably do a draft, but we just figured it'd be fun to just talk about some players that, you know, that I, I know that some listeners like fantasy. So we're just kind of yeah. going through it. And so it's crazy to me, like how deep wide receiver is this year. Like guys like AJ green and Brandon cooks and, Tyler Boyd, who had an awesome year, like all of those guys aren't even in the top like twelve or thirteen for oh sorry for wide receivers this year, and it's crazy. Who who do you think is a sleeper wide receiver this year? I mean, there you could go on a bunch of names, but and then maybe it's kind of in that tier of players you just named, but maybe not somebody that's looked at as a team's number one. I guess like the Lions is a good example. I don't know who their number one is. I guess I'd say Marvin Jones, but a guy like Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay is way higher in fantasy. So Kenny Galladay is, is probably probably around like 17-ish, 18-ish. Okay. Yeah, and Marvin Jones is probably in the 30s. Okay. Uh, Galladay is just like the the bigger end zone guy and whatnot. Um, if you had to tell me, <clears throat> or you were asking me like who I would choose, I think someone like Robbie Anderson with the Jets, Allen Robinson for the Bears. I mean, hell, even Sammy Watkins. Nobody's gonna, nobody's talking about Sammy Watkins, and he could have a monster year this year if he can stay healthy. I mean, that's yeah. his issue. Yeah, but it going is. off of that, um, Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, not really a quiet name. He's gonna have a higher production, higher targets. I feel like every name I just had in my mind went fucking blank. Good God. <laughs> what do you think of like guys like like Emmanuel Sanders coming off an injury, new quarterback? Um, I know last week you kind or sorry last episode you kind of mentioned Flacco having two good w- wide receivers. So I'm assuming you meant Cortland Sutton and Emmanuel Sanders. Is those those the two you were talking about? Yeah, and Cortland Sutton stepped up last year. You know, middle end of the year he had some great catches. Um. You know, phenomenal play. I think another guy, A.J. Green here. Andy Dalton's hearing a lot of noise that he's not the guy and that he sucks and he can't do anything. He was injured last year. Yeah. So was A.J. Green. And that entire defensive unit was awful. So the Bengals, they have a whole new voice, a new era. And this is Andy Dalton's last time to say, hey, I'm either the guy here or I can't be somewhere else given a better situation. Yeah, I was actually just saying that that I was shocked that AJ Green's prob like not considered one of those top ten wide receivers this year because he was killing it before he got hurt last year. He was really good. Given a lot of it was like really touchdown dependent, not the yardage, but still that's AJ Green's game. He's always found the end zone. Um, I'm interested to see guys like like Sterling Shepard without OBJ. What does he do? Like, and I know they got Golden Tate on the other side, so that'll be that'll be super fun to watch. And what about Debo Samuel? Oh, 
Kyle Shanahan's going to have a blast with him, man. Oh, man. He's going to have so much fun between him and – is it Goodwin or Godwin? God, it's Goodwin. Good, it's Goodwin. It's Goodwin. Godwin's in the Tampa, Tampa Bay. Bay. That's right. Yeah. I mean, between him, Goodwin, Kittle. Pettis. They got another wide receiver, Pettis. Yes, Pettis did really freaking good last year, and no one talked about him. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, exactly. He's got a good the sense for the ball in the down. back of the end zone. Yeah. Dude, I got to bring it up, too. Dude. Goodwin, my heart goes out to that dude. He has had the oh my god! If you guys don't know the story, just go look it up. I don't want to talk about it. Um, fuck it, I'll talk about it, dude. Yeah, he's like had his, he's had his kids die. He's had um, miscarriages, like just the worst luck. And I would just like would never wish that upon anyone. And the, how him and his wife stay like energetic and like trying to motivate people is unbelievable to me. They are really good people. Like I, I wish I was as good as a person as they are. You got to love it. I mean, those are the type of people, you know, that keeps faith in humanity right there. Yeah. Yeah. Now that he's got a quarterback and a pretty decent head coach, let's hope he gets some success on the field as well. Uh, another guy that I had in mind, Chris Conley. Yeah. He's yeah. going to be somewhat of a main target. Totally. Chris Conley and D.D. Westbrook, man, those two. I think I think Shark is going to have a big game or two, but it's going to be do you guys. Not that, like Shark. I do. I just don't think. I just. I have to see it before I can believe in it. I don't. I just have high hopes from him. I just think he's going to go off this year. I hope he does. I just. I think that he still needs that one more year because he missed so much time last year with injury. I still think he needs that learning curve that he didn't really get. And like he, we've all said, like he also didn't have a quarterback throwing him the ball so like it's still like this learning process i hope he does deep down i kind of think he just has a couple big games and but the consistent guys are westbrook and conley let's go to running backs here for a bit running back you gotta have some key ones and guys like Le'Veon bell are just super intriguing to me sorry go ahead Riley. yeah, yeah no uh, that just get, uh brings up a good point and i w- want your opinion on that Obviously, he's a big name. He can do a lot of things on the field. But the fact he sat out last year, do you think it's likely that, you know, maybe he's guys in your league, maybe somebody's going to pick him up at a and get him at a little bit of a discount, so to speak, just because he was out of the league last year? Not in my league. I, I, I think that there might be some leagues that do that. But I think I think really competitive leagues will recognize what Le'Veon Bell is. What do you think, Austin? Just the fact that he was out last year, do you think somebody's still going to look at him and say, no, he's still still the same guy? Le'Veon Bell, I mean, I think he's going to come out flying. The dude's in exceptional shape. He's been working out all offseason. The reports of him being 260 pounds. You see him recently, he's not that weight. He's nowhere near that. That dude is in stellar shape. He's coming back motivated. I don't know what Adam Gates has got going on now that you know he's got to deal with being a general manager as well, but... I know that he's going to come in with Sam Darnold and tear it up. I mean, he's got something to prove. He doesn't care if he's. I mean, he came out today on Twitter and he said he does not care what people have to say about him. He's going to come in and do his job and do what he can to help that franchise win and succeed and get to a Super Bowl. And I wholeheartedly believe it. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. So in fantasy, I've always kind of thought that when you win fantasy leagues, it's because you find that diamond in the rough type running back where you can use him as your flex or you were planning on using him as your flex and he ends up being a stud number two for you, sometimes a number one running back. 
and you're just that much better off. And usually you find those guys like middle of the pack. Like you don't really find those guys super late in the draft. It's kind of that in, in snake drafts, it's like round seven to 10. You find those middle guys. So for example here, guys this year that could either win you a league or lose you a league. Guys like Derek Henry, guys like on Johnson, guys like Dar- Darius Geis. You already brought up David Montgomery. Um, Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders, thank you. What about guys like uh, McKinnon coming off the injury? He mm-hmm. could be he could be a big part. James White is always the dude that frustrates the hell out of me because the dude averages like three carries a game, but still ends up with like fifteen points a game because he's so involved in the passing game. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Another one, Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram is going to have. I'm so intrigued on what uh, Tariq Cohen is going to do this year. Oh, I think he's going to have a phenomenal year. Now that he's going to have somewhat of a power and elusive back in David Montgomery, I think it's going to be pretty good. Yeah. What's your thoughts on the Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman split? Because obviously Lindsay came out of nowhere, undrafted guy out of Colorado, and then Royce Freeman was a third-round pick, fourth-round pick, third or fourth-round pick out of Oregon. Um. It's a good one-two, you know, punch combo there in Denver. Fantasy-wise, it's kind of hard to rely on one of them, you know, one or the other. But one thing that Denver struggled with last year was continuing to roll with the guy that was having a good game. It would be Freeman's having a good one. Let's get Lindsey his share. Lindsey's having a good game. Okay, let's get Freeman his share. And it would just kind of mix everything up and throw it off. And that's a lot of the issues they went through on offense. And then Case Keenum not being able to be a good quarterback. So with them, it's you don't really know because Lindsey can run and do you know and catch out of the backfield. Freeman not really good at catching the ball in the backfield, but he can. So for them, it's just kind of an up in the air on what you like and what you don't like for your fantasy team and how he's going to affect your team. Yeah, for sure. Any other uh, sleeper type running backs you want to talk about? I wanted I'm to back. say Darius Geis. I thought that was someone you weren't going to think of, but. Should have known better. Adrian Peterson might be a guy, you know, that kind of steps in and does well. Damian Williams for the Chiefs. No one's really talking about him. That dude scored a shit ton of touchdowns last year. Running backs and Andy Reid's offense do really, 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 really good. Always. That's six reallys. Fucking listen. (laughs) Totally. That's actually why I took Kareem Hunt his rookie year in in my draft because of the history that – What's his name? Reed has another another guy that I didn't bring up was Chris Carson out of Seattle. Duke Johnson. How could we forget about him? How could we forget <laughs> about Duke Johnson? Dude, Trace, I, I'm glad th- I'm glad you tied it together that way because that's really what I was asking when I mentioned Amir Abdullah because it was just like who who are the guys that you know can win you a league and that that's a really good point too. Quarterbacks, you guys want to talk quarterbacks? Who are the top? seven quarterbacks that are going to go in this year's fantasy drafts um pretty easy you know list here you're going to have mahomes brady rogers um rivers not flacco rivers for sure kurt cousins deshaun watson i'm running through andrew luck that's just kind of the start of the list and then you kind of get into a second tier of Ooh, Jimmy Carr. Garoppolo coming off, Derek Carr, especially Stafford. coming off the year with, you know, 
Gruden and his offense is getting another year of production with added talent on every yeah. position, especially the offensive line. Sam Darnold could be a good guy. Um, Josh Allen, you know, has some potential. Kyler Murray might be a guy to keep an eye on. Matthew Stafford. I believe he'll have a good year. That's what I'm excited for. I really want to see what he can do this year. I want to see him come in and not have to not come in with the mindset of making the big plays, mm-hmm. but just coming in and playing quarterback. Yeah, the, know, the, doing your job and not trying to overdo it. The debate you guys had a couple episodes ago was just that was my favorite 10, 15 minute segment of this entire podcast to, to this point. You were spot on with what you said, Austin. Therese, quarterbacks who are some of the top quarterbacks this year yeah this is more to prove my point about how deep it is i got the names that you just named off here's some other names you didn't mention that i don't remember hearing matt ryan baker mayfield cam newton drew Brees, russell wilson jared goff carson wentz dak prescott mitchell trubisky lamar jackson the rest of the nfl (laughs) i mean like i mean that was quite a bit. I mean, like we basically named like 20 of the 32 starters at that point. But like you could see yourself winning your league, literally starting any of those guys. Yeah. <laughs> like like Dak Prescott and Mitchell Trubisky, there was like a four week stretch last year that they were the top two like wide receiver or wide receivers quarterbacks. Right. Which and was absurd. Absurd. But like their running ability and because everybody assumes that they're two power backs, which it was Howard. And then obviously Zeke, they just assume that they're going to run it when they get inside the five yard line with them, but then they get the rushing touchdown or they get a throwing touchdown, right? Like that the way their offense works, that's why that type of stuff works. And Carson Wentz two years ago, number one fantasy quarterback. Do you guys recall who quarterbacked the team that won your league last year? That Matt, Ryan, Matt Ryan for me. Matt Ryan in your league, Treese? Yep. <laughs> Treese, you've been in the championship. I think it was Matt Ryan in mine as well, honestly. Really? I think it was. I'm not going to lie. Let me go and look. Because it was my uncle who won it, and I knew I was going to lose because I played my dad the week before. Yeah. And he was just talking so much smack, like, oh, I'm going to beat you, little, you know, I'm going to beat you, son, yeah. put you back in diapers. And then I beat him, and I was like, who's your daddy? That's right. I'm your daddy now. <laughs> And then I played my Uncle Pat, and, man, he just bit me over and whipped my ass. Like, I didn't say anything to him because it was that bad. Pat <laughs> gave it to you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pat that's gave awesome. the Pats. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Austin, what, at what point last season, just while you're looking that up, what point last season, Austin, did you catch on to Mahomes? Did, like, at what point did you think, holy shit, this, this might end up being a 50-touchdown season? Like, week His four, fucking five? first play. His first play, dude, I believe was a no-looker. Are you, are you serious? Dead serious. Watch the, if, just go watch the damn game. Go watch his highlight tape against the Chargers. His first play, he's got a linebacker coming off the edge. He's got his arm out up here. He's not here. He's way up and reaching yeah. over. Kind of looking to the right a little bit to get a, I think, a safety coming down. Yeah. Tyreek Hill runs right by him. There's a small little freaking window this ball can go in. Zips it in there. Tyreek Hill catches it. Gone. Was that, that was Kansas City's first offensive play last year? Yeah. Holy shit. And they scored off a punt return. So their offense, you know, their defense went on. 
Yeah. You know, three. I don't know if it was a three and out. Chargers punt. Tiger Kill takes it back. Chargers go back. They don't score another punt. Um, I think Tiger Kill had another one of a decent return. And then Patrick Mahomes has that play. Hit Sherman off the, along the sideline for a touchdown to his freaking fullback, which was nuts as well. And it was just from here on out, I was like, we have our guy. And then week two, they play. Maybe it wasn't week two. Maybe it was week three. They're playing the uh, San Francisco 49ers. And it's that play where he runs backwards and then runs to the left and kind of loops back to the right. And he stumbles a little bit. And he keeps going and going. And I remember just sitting there screaming, like, he's going to throw a touchdown. He's going to throw a touchdown. Throw a touchdown. Don't fall. Boom. Just zips it in there. Chris Mm -hmm. Conley back at the end zone. I got up. Wailed my arm yelling. I was like, we got our quarterback. This <laughs> is our, our guy. Dude, the, le- the left-handed pass. It just went pass. rolling from there. Yeah, um, that left-handed pass against oh. the Broncos. That I, I fucking love Patrick Mahomes, dude. He, I he, felt bad incredible. for the Broncos. It was just he, like, man, that's nuts. Like It was just kind of like, fair. I'm sorry. It's not fair. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Speaking of overhyped plays, that may be the most overhyped play I've ever heard of. You are Why? Because <laughs> it wasn't that good of a play. The fuck it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't, man. He's holding the ball with two hands as he's going down and then just like flips it, man. He's going down. I just, if I he just... would have thrown it right-handed, Von Miller stripping that ball. You know what Patrick Mahomes does? Fuck you, Von. Watch this. The, present, the presence of mind. The awareness I mean... of Tyreek Hill to catch that ball and then get upfield just enough for the first down and go out of bounds, that's pretty smooth in itself. Oh, that was that was the impressive part. Yeah, that was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, out of all that. Why I don't mean, you watch I, the next third down after that? I'm more, where he rolls out to the left and then hits Travis Kelsey across the middle of the field. Damn, Austin Mahomes just, just got I mean, he, he, yes, and he just goes, boop, 20 yards on the money, give me the first down. Dude, on he, like a third and fifteen, he did that three times in that game against the Broncos. Oh, he's on that game was unbelievable. I'm just it saying, was. I don't think that that play is like I don't I don't even consider that a top ten play of last year for him. Oh my god, for him that's for him so, not 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 for everybody else, that, yeah. and that's a compliment to him. It's I, a comp- I know I, it I, is, but that's at least a eight or seven type play. So, Therese, if if you have a number, if you could pick any quarterback right now in the league to be the Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback, who do you take? You've got the number one overall pick in this hypothetical draft. Who is your quarterback? Phillip Rivers. It's not close. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wanted you to be like Nick Foles. Well, that's Nick a Foles, question. obviously. Um, no, dead serious though. Andrew Luck. I I mean that's fair. He's yeah. a good quarterback. Yeah, he is. And honestly, Mahomes would be second. I'll take that. I really will. So, good stuff. Because I, Austin has said this: like Mahomes probably isn't Mahomes without Andy Reid, right? Like, absolutely. He's, he's still he's still going to be awesome, but he isn't fifty touchdown year one Mahomes without Andy Reid or and Alex I, Smith, right? And I think Andrew Luck is Andrew Luck no matter what. No matter the offense. Uh, I think a lot of that goes to Bruce Arians, man. That dude did great work with him. Yeah, but look what he did. Th- you, you mean just for his career? Yeah, and I mean, just helping him get the mindset of like, hey, you're the guy. This is what you're going to do. Lead this That's team. That's fair. 
That's fair, but I I mean we I think you could say that about almost any quarterback. Well, yeah, but I mean, but no, I get what you're saying. I I I get what you're saying though. So that's me. But uh, I mean, that's fantasy talk there. Again, once we get further on into this off season, I think we'll probably do some sort of like mock draft of kind of like where we think people are going to be. It's going to be a lot better to easier to tell once preseason starts and whatnot injuries happen who are some yeah. actual sleepers so on and so forth so i riley i know you you've been wanting to ask this question you've had this on the dock for a while so go ahead and ask your go ahead and ask this question that's on the dock for us shoot i don't even know which one to pick there, there's a bunch while we're talking quarterbacks it's my favorite position in football and i like to pick your guys brains so let let's do this one for this episode would you rather if you're banking on developing your franchise quarterback, would you rather have Kyler Murray or Justin Herbert next season in next year draft class? Which of the two would you pick for your team? You want me to go first year trees? I'm going to say Justin Herbert. And my reasoning is Kyler Murray is a small quarterback. A lot of it, I believe was scheme out of OU. Yes, he made some plays. Yes, he's got a strong arm. He's a good quarterback that can run. But Justin Herbert is that guy that is also has good speed. He's got the size. He's got a strong arm. And when you watch his tape, he puts the ball in places where only his wide receiver can get it over and over and over. Throwing from the right hash to a 20-yard out on the left side of the field. Right on the money, over the corner, just in reach of his first wide receiver. And I mean, heck, he does, he makes those type of throws all over the field. So for me, I'm taking Justin Herbert just because I like that more pure pocket passing quarterback that can make a play. You know, keeps you on the end on the edge of your seat on whether he's going to run or not. If the opportunity presents itself, similar to kind of what you can see with an Alex Smith type guy, right? So Justin Herbert's the one for me. I think I'm going to go the opposite way. I think I'm going to go Kyler. I think that just the playmaking ability with his athleticism is the difference maker. Uh, I pay close attention to the Pac-12, obviously, with us being in Utah. Saw Herbert, and I just he just has too many of those games where you're in the fourth quarter and he's 5 for 14 for 60 yards. Like, that happened like four or five different times last year. I agree. There are still throws that he makes that I'm like, holy shit. Like, that's why Riley always brings this up um, when we're talking about Jared Goff. But uh, he came into he came into Rice Eccles Stadium, Utah Stadium, and he threw five interceptions and Cal lost that game against Utah. And it was a big deal for us. But there was one throw where it was about a 40 yard throw where he threw it to the back left corner of the end zone. And I was just like, yep, that that's why he's going to be the number one pick right there. Like that throw alone. Because no, like nobody else in this draft class can make that throw, and you do get that out of Herbert. Like you do see those throws that you're just like, "Holy shit, that's special! That's awesome to see as a fan." Yeah, in the Pac-12 last year, I thought watching Herbert, I'm like, he's easily the best quarterback that I saw all of last season. Granted, I pay mostly only pay attention to the Pac-12 in college football for the most part. Um, do you think, Treese, when you're saying that, the 5 for 14, do you think that's part of why he chose to go back? 
try to up his stock? Or do you think, I don't know how much stock he could increase because there's a chance he's the first quarterback taken in this year's draft, right? Yeah, he probably would have been, in all honesty. But, but, I mean, his brother's coming to Oregon. He wants to play with his brother. I totally get that. You're most likely never going to get that opportunity again. And I do think that he wanted to grow as a quarterback. I think he felt like Oregon, he could do that. He could become a better quarterback before he, he got into the NFL. Austin, have you ever... Oh, go ahead, man. Go ahead. I mean, that makes perfect sense. It's kind of similar to what you saw with Drew Locke. Um, I told Matt and Mello this at the Senior Bowl when um, I was down there in that first practice. You know, they were we got to go down on the field to interview the players. And you hear the live reps of the players. You know, Drew Locke goes, or Daniel Jones goes underneath center. You can just hear kind of the command in his voice. You know, he's kind of got that presence of, Hey, I'm the guy here, da 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 da. And then Drew Lock goes under center, and you don't really see it. Like you don't really hmm. hear it. Does that make sense? You don't hear Absolutely. that. I'm the quarterback. I'm the guy about to call this play. And so, I'm not saying that was the issue with Herbert, but that's something that you can continue to develop over time. And an extra year can help with that. It can help with your footwork. We saw that with Lock. We can see the production and your progression. How smoothly you go through that. You know what type of throws are you making? What calls are you making at the line of scrimmage? What plays are you making now that you weren't making before more consistently? So with Herbert, I think we'll see that this next year in Oregon. And I'm excited for it at least. Yeah, I consider Herbert that's going to be in the same area as like Josh Allen of last year, where there's a lot of like amazing traits that you see. And that's what makes you into that top 10 pick. And there's always those certain plays you're like, see, that's why, that's why. And there's always going to be the, he wasn't successful because of this. Like Josh Allen, it was, he was in Wyoming. He didn't have talent. And then Washington, or with Herbert, it could be like, that offense isn't pro style. Like it's not going to fit what he wants to do. Or he's, his wide receivers are like interchangeable and always moving and all that type of stuff. So I could see those two being like, you could be hearing a lot of the same things. Austin, have you had and and when with Treese mentioning that, you know, we I, he's right. as soon as that thought came into my head, he was mentioning it with uh, Jared Goff. But have you had plays that you've seen, maybe from a quarterback or a different position, like right when you saw it, you're like, that's why he's a first round pick, or that's why he's a top, you know, the first quarterback to be taken in this draft. Yeah, I saw it with Carson Wentz. Um, like I said, I've hmm. gone to Missouri State. I went to Missouri State, and uh, they play North Dakota State. They're in the same conference. You know, they'll switch years on whether they're going here or there. But North Dakota State fans, they travel well, and they're there, and they're green and yellow, and they're freaking loud. But I got to go watch the game, and I didn't realize who Carson Carson Wentz was at the time. I just knew he was a big dude with a strong arm that was very loud on the field and was picking the defense apart. And Missouri State's not a very good football team, not a very good football school program, whatever you want to call it. Not good at it. Everyone leaves at halftime. They'll go tailgate. When the players are heading to the stadium, everyone's walking the other way. It's just that kind of atmosphere there, right? But with Carson Wentz, it just felt different. And I remember watching it going, man, this guy, he's making this throw from, from where he's at to the sideline in like a zip. I mean, the ball just, every throw was just boom, 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 boom. And then he marched all the way down the field and scored. And they just did that over and over and over. So for me, yes, Carson Wentz was the guy that I was able to watch and go, dang, this guy's pretty, pretty good. 
Austin, who's the best, not counting quarterbacks, who's the best college football player you've ever seen live at a game? This is going to be a poor answer. I mean, I haven't been to very many college games. Growing up in a small town, That's family right. not being football-oriented, I mean, I really just didn't have the opportunity to go to college games. But this last year, getting to go to that Georgia-LSU uh, game, that was awesome. You talk about an atmosphere, seeing that field for the first time in the afternoon, absolutely gorgeous hearing the fans. LSU comes and wins that game. Devin White did really, 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 really good. Jake Fromm, not so hot, man. Not so That's hot. That's kind of when that year, his year just started to kind of fall apart. He wasn't making those throws or those plays. But Miko Hardman, I do remember seeing number four and be like, man, that guy's fast. You know, he's a decent type player. Didn't pay much attention to him after that. Or even during the draft, I didn't really pay attention to wide receivers as much, you know, in the later rounds beside, you know, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Nikhil Harry, those type of guys. So, for me, college football hasn't really been much of anything that I've gone to growing up. I mean, you guys got to remember, I'm only 23. I'm still a young pup, all right? Yeah. I I totally get it. I get it. Um, I guess I should have let you answer it in, like, Senior Bowl as well. Like, if there was a guy in Senior Uh, Bowl. I should have given you that opportunity as well. Oh, it's whatever. It's fine. (laughs) You want me to answer though? No, it's fine. You, no. <laughs> you seem disinterested at this yeah. point. No, no, <laughs> Colin Saunders, he had a good senior bowl. Um, Jarrett Siddham, he had a good Super Bowl. Uh, where did he end up landing? Stidham? With Stidham. With the Patriots? Damn it, that's right. He he did have a like a practice wise. That dude was making some flipping throws. So I really liked him. Uh, like I said, Colin Saunders, defensive back-wise, Isaiah Johnson did well, Nasir Adderley. Um, offensive-wise, Scary Terry, he did good. Um, I want to say that was it. Will Greer, not so hot. But it was a lot of it was more just soaking everything in and being like, dang, like these are guys that are about to be in the NFL. And then seeing all the NFL head coaches and GMs and scouting teams that's kind of where my focus was a lot. But once you go down on the field and you see those guys, man, them are some big boys. So, Treese, let me flip that question and ask you. You've been to a lot of college football games. Probably know the most about college football of anybody that I know. Who are the top five college players that you've seen live? Well, five's way too much. I can't think of that off the top of my head. <laughs> but, uh, but Jamal Charles was the best I had ever seen. Like what he did was unbelievable. Like he was so good. And that was actually probably the funnest game I've been to. Um, I mean, the Pac twelve has had a lot of good guys. Mariota was awesome. Sam Darnold's first start. Sam Darnold's first start ever was at Rice Eccle Stadium, and you knew that that guy was special. Yeah. Uh, Adoree Jackson. Adoree Jackson returned that opening kick to the house. Uh yeah. I was literally still walking up to my seat when it happened. It like was I, like, don't kick to Jackson. Don't kick to Jackson. What do they do? Kick to Jackson. Yeah. Is he still with the Titans? Yeah, he is. He's their starting cornerback. He's really good, actually. It's just a lot of USC guys. I actually saw Mariota play live as well. Um, Juju Smith. Juju Smith-Schuster. Yep, for sure. He had a monster game. 
that Sam Darnold game as well. That was, yeah. that was an awesome game. That game came that out was. fourth quarter. Sam Darnold got the ball with like a minute and 30 seconds left. No timeouts. I think it was they were only up by, or USC was down by six, I think. I thought, I think a touchdown would give them the win. And uh, defense got after him. That's what I'm talking about. So, um, Eric, Eric Weddle. Yeah. Weddle for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He's up there for sure. Got to see him plenty of times with him actually being a Ute. So, um, all right, boys. I think that that's an episode today. Good stuff. I think so as well. Cool. Take us out of here, Trees. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we'll get back to you guys next weekend. And, uh, thanks for tuning in tonight. And tonight we've been talking football.